Buongiorno everybody, state tutti bene, tutti a posto, tutti tranquilli? <laughs> Glory, all right, yeah, Pastor Brent, uh, I'm just so glad that uh, uh, we're friends and that uh, we, I, I knew him since he was very young and uh, it's just good to see what God is doing and the ministry that he assigned to him and uh, it's just good to be friends with this house. And yes, I'm a part of the familia, or the family. Have you noticed that as the years go by, Pastor Brent looks more and more like me, like an Italian? Uh, all the Coulters do, in fact, because we made them honorary Italian. In their hearts, they're Italians. And so uh, what happens is then we start to look alike. And, uh, but it's really good to be here. Uh, you know that, yeah, yesterday, for two days, I was without internet. I'm with uh, the company that uh, <clears throat> blacked out. And so that's when I had to do the PowerPoint and everything for the church. So thank God that the technicians uh, were uh, graceful enough to uh, do it, even though they got it late. But this time it was not my fault. It's not like the dog ate it or whatever. It was, internet was down and I had no access at all. And so it's good to be here. And uh, you know that the pandemic changed uh, uh, everyone's plans for uh, years. But, uh, and so I stopped traveling for almost three years. And now I'm starting again. So thank God. So two weeks ago I was able to go back uh, in Europe and uh, travel there. And uh, I, I posted some things, you know, some videos, and it was so good to see after all these years, the, uh, the churches that are there and the pastors that are there. And I spent, I, I just ministered one day after another, went all over the place from north to south, everywhere, and uh, spent time with the pastors, encouraging them, spent time uh, in the churches preaching, and uh, we had our ministerial meeting and so on. And you know, the, the, the good news is this everywhere, I think that just like the Bible promises, we are stronger now than we were before the problem. Do you believe that? You know that every Bible story that you can think of, think of one, think of any. Anyone that went through problems and difficulties, in the end, God redeemed, God restored, and they were better off. Think of Joseph, right? He's thrown in the pit. That's not fun. He's thrown in prison. That's not fun. But in the end, he was sitting on the throne. Think of Job. He went through a lot of trouble. He lost a lot of things. But in the end, he had twice as much as before. Amen? So that's just the redeeming nature of God. So uh, in the end, ministers and churches and pastors and individuals, and I think businesses too, uh, you know, who have managers that uh, are in innovative and follow the Lord, in the end we're stronger because we had to start doing things that we never did before. And we had to invent things that we never did before. And for the churches, it came from the throne of God. And so whatever was designed to destroy us has actually made us stronger. You believe that? <clears throat> whatever has designed to destroy us has actually made us stronger. And so I'm ready for the word. Are you ready for the word? So I have a text that I like to start, start with in Philippians chapter 2. And uh, I think that we have this Philippians chapter 2 in the New Living Translation. And uh, I'm going to start in verse 3. And it says, don't be selfish. 
Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. And then in verse 6, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, everybody say therefore. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name which is above all other names that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Father God, help us to understand your word this morning. Give us insight, give us wisdom, and Holy Spirit, help us to put the word to practice and live these wonderful instructions that we are reading this morning, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So that verse 9 says, therefore, God highly exalted him and gave him the name which is above every name. That therefore is pivotal. And what's it there for? We learned in Bible school, when you see a therefore, ask yourself, what is it there for? Because it's pivotal. Because it indicates that because of something that happened before, that's why God highly exalted Jesus and gave him the name which is above every name. And so I think I'd like to call this morning real power or uh, real leadership or real effectiveness. I don't, I don't name uh, my teachings. I, I, I teach them. I let others name who are better at that than I am. But there's a reason why God highly exalted Jesus. And it wasn't Jesus that exalted himself. It was God that exalted him. And so we're going to look at what the reasons are. We're going to look at verse 3, verse 3 to verse 8, what the attitude that Jesus had, what his mindset was. And so we're going to start in verse 3, and we're going to see that in verse 3, it talks about um, the, 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 the fact that we should not be high-minded, and we should not have the mindset of, there it is, don't be selfish, don't try to impress others, be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. So don't be selfish and don't try to impress others. This has to do with pride and all of us have to deal with ego and with pride. 
Now, God made us with ego, and ego is good if it's sanctified to God. And so we want to achieve certain things, and, and God put that in us. But when it becomes twisted and it becomes boastful and it becomes a desire to be seen and to be under a spotlight, then it becomes a perversion of what God intended. And these verses here that we read, our basic text, is a, is a theological masterpiece because Paul talks about the pre-existence of Christ, how he was in the form of God and didn't consider a robbery to be equal with God. And then it talks about how he came in the form of a man. So it talks about the incarnation. And then it talks about how God highly exalted him. So it takes us from the pre-existence of Christ before the incarnation, through the incarnation, and then through the exaltation of Christ. So theologically, it's really rich. There's some really important uh, doctrines that we get from these verses. But it's not just a theological masterpiece. It's a literature masterpiece. It's a philosophical masterpiece. It's a, uh, a psychological masterpiece. It's a lifestyle masterpiece. Because if we all adopted what we just read in verse 3 to verse 8, every marriage would drastically improve Every city in the world would drastically improve, and every conflict would cease. So it's real practical. There's something real practical here. And so, and the difficulty arises too because of certain words that are not popular today, but certain words that are misunderstood because religiosity has really messed them up. Words like humility and words like submission, which if anyone comes from a religious background, they're almost equal to being stepped over and being mistreated. That's not a gospel problem. That's a human tradition problem. And so we have to deal with that and we have to unravel that because no one likes to be mistreated. And these verses do not talk about mistreatment or abuse. They talk about treating others better than ourselves. So taking it step by step in verse 3, it talks about being humble and not wanting to show off. As I said, all of us have to deal with ego and have to deal with pride. And these are not popular words today in our culture. Words like humility and submission and service, they're not really popular out there. And we have glamorized the stage. We have glamorized being under the spotlight. We have glamorized being seen. And you know, it's fine if you actually have something to say. But if you're seen by millions of people and, and you're not saying anything that makes sense or that helps people or half intelligent, and you're just showing off because you have a voluptuous body, then that is a problem. So, you know, you're influencer, but what are you influencing? I mean, look at me. I have a voluminous body too. Come on, baby, right? But I really do my best. I'm, I don't just 
be seen to show off. I tried to do my best to actually have something to say, something intelligent to say to help people. And chasing fame just to be seen. Yeah, thanks for leaving it up there. That helps me. You know, uh, just that, that first part there. Just to be seen is kind of like, have you ever seen a dog chasing a car? You ever seen a dog chasing a car, right? I don't think that the dog thinks it through to the end because you're going to chase the car. So, you know, you pull out. We live in a neighborhood. There's a dog. And once in a while, I have a dog that comes after me, right? And I'm thinking, okay, when you catch the car, what are you going to do with it? <laughs> you're going to open the door, kick me out, sit, and drive it? And that's what seeking fame, just, be, just for fame's sake, or just to be seen as like. Not only that, but it's also dangerous because you know that chasing a car could kill you. I would never hurt any animal on purpose, but you know, the dog does this and that. It could end off under the wheel, may it never be, right? But, and be hurt. So <clears throat> why chase something that you don't know what to do with it if you get it? Or worse, it could kill you and hurt you. And so, having said that, the Apostle Paul sets up such a great attitude for all of us to have. And he says this, think of others as better than yourself. Isn't that good? Thinking of others as better than yourself. So this is where it becomes difficult with the word humility and submission. Because as I said, it's really misunderstood. And I come from a religious background, a very religious background. If you come from a religious background, you understand what I mean. Still today where I went to minister, the position of the religious system is, for example, if a husband mistreats the wife, the wife needs to submit to stay there and be mistreated, whether psychologically or even physically. They go as far as saying, that's your cross to bear. I challenge that view with all the, 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 the spirit that I have and the strength that I have and the knowledge of the word that I have. Because even Jesus, find that in the Gospels, you can't, even Jesus said, do you know what Jesus' instructions were? If someone wants to hurt you, flee somewhere else. Read it in Matthew 10, he said, go in a town, if they receive you, then stay and say, peace be to this house. If they want to hurt you, run away. That's the opposite of saying, stay there and get abused. So the husband should celebrate the wife. Thank you for your enthusiasm, right? <laughs> and the wife should celebrate the husband. Why stay if you're not wanted and celebrated? And that's just one scripture. They tried to kill the apostle Paul once. Do you know what he did? Do you remember? They, they, they lowered him. When they found out, they didn't say, oh, good, we're going to get beat up for the gospel. Great. The disciples found out, and at nighttime, they lowered him in a basket, and he went to the other town. Paul, a man of faith, constantly ran away from people who were trying to kill him. But that's because in religion, we have misinterpreted uh, the concept of humility 
and the concept of submission and the concept of service and especially humility and submission turned it into some kind of perpetual suffering that you do to yourself. So since this is the passage par excellence, it's the best passage in the New Testament where it gives us the example of Jesus there is nothing here that says to us as instructions. Now you understand that there are some things that Jesus did that you and I cannot do. How many of you can make a distinction, right? Uh, okay, you are, uh, Jesus died on the cross. He's God in the flesh, right? Are you God in the flesh? <laughs> So you're not going to die on the cross. That was uniquely his. There are some things that Jesus uniquely did. And then there are some instructions to us. And so I know that the passage talks about him dying on the cross. But we have to have enough wisdom to understand that it's just him because he's the redeemer of humanity. And in that, he's not the example in the sense that he died on the cross. So I'm going to die on the cross too. I can't. I don't qualify. I'm not God in the flesh. I'm not the spotless lamb of God. In that, he's my substitute. He died on the cross, so I don't have to die on the cross. He carried my sin, so I could be free from sin and be righteous. He carried my sicknesses, so that I could be free from sickness and be healed. And he, he took the curse on the cross, so that I could be blessed. So you have to apply the scriptures properly. But in the mindset, the mindset is in these initial verses. And so then we had feudal times in, in Europe, you know, when, when feudalism, right, and all the kings and the lords and so on. So it's difficult. And then our countries, Canada and the U.S., were partially started as a rejection of that. And that should be rejected. And so we have a hard time, religiously speaking, with words like, humility and words like uh, uh, submission. But I'm saying to you that we have a hard time because they're distorted. Because in, in religious circles, humility is something you do to yourself. And it's a constant valley of tears and it's a constant self-abnegation and it's a constant beating yourself up. Now I want us to read this real careful and there's nothing here about you beating yourself up. This verse says, be humble thinking of others as better than yourself. Now is that good? Is that doable? Can we do that? I can do that. I don't want to beat myself up constantly. Because submission according to, these great, to this great passage is not something that you do to yourself. It's something that you do to the other person. You lift the other person up. There's two ways that you can exert, for, exert, exert force. You can push down, and that's an exerting force. You can push people down, and that's oppression. That's the old feudal system. That's slavery, and it needs to be condemned because Jesus sets us free from that. But another way to exert force is to push up. So if you push up and if you lift someone up higher than you, you're still exerting force. That's why we could call this real power, real authority, real leadership. <clears throat> Amen? Amen? 
And the, the, the word here is so important. Think of others as better than yourself. So wife, think of your husband as better than yourself. You're not, you're not doing anything to yourself. You're lifting him up. Husband, think of your wife as better than yourself. You're lifting her up. You're not debasing yourself. You're lifting her up. And in the church, we think of the people around us as better than ourselves. And the pastor thinks of the congregation as better than himself. So the pastor lifts the congregation up, and the congregation honors the pastor and thinks of the pastor as better than himself. <clears throat> Even there, the church is kind of messed up because we had submission and authority almost right, but it was like a one-way street. Honor the pastor, honor the pastor, honor the pastor. Nothing wrong with that. We should honor the pastor, but it's incomplete. It's not just honor the pastor. The pastor honors you. It's a mutual submission. Peter, the complete picture is we submit to one another. And it doesn't mean I beat myself up and I put myself down. No, it means I lift you up. Do you think that this philosophy, adopting this revolutionary philosophy, could improve your marriage? How many of you think that? Right? All you got to do when you get in a fight is just back off. Do you have to win? You just say, just lift, lift your spouse up and say, you know what? I love you. I esteem you better. <clears throat> I'm, I'm a very precise person. I've been married to Connie for 36 years. And uh, we like to on Friday have date night. One of the secrets to a long marriage is to keep on dating the person that you marry. <clears throat> and you know, I like date night to have a certain ending. <laughs> I can, I'm married, right? So, you know, there were a few times when I was unwise and I didn't understand this. You know, that I say to Connie, hey Connie, it's time to go out, right? Let's, let's go for sushi. And then she'd say, uh, you know, let's go for pizza. And I say, you know what? We had pizza last week, and uh, we should have sushi this week. And she'll answer back and say, no, we didn't have pizza last week. We had sushi last week. Now's the time to apply this, to back off. Do you have to win that argument? You want to die on that hill? <laughs> In my foolish young age, one time, Dr. Coulter I kept on arguing, and I went as far as pulling out the receipts from last week. Because I keep them. I keep receipts. I'm a maniac, a perfectionistic maniac. And I keep the receipts, and I was right. We went for sushi. So I won the fight. But do you think that the evening ended the way I wanted to? And all we have to do is just, okay, Connie, you don't, you don't have to lie. You don't have to, just back off, right? And just esteem the other and go on because we need, now, I gave, you, I gave you a silly example. It is an insignificant, silly example. But let me, let me tell you this, that this verse, think of others as better than yourselves, 
could solve most of today's problems is not simplistic, is not lighthearted, because people everywhere are confused and they're wondering, well, what's going on? Where is God? Let me tell you, if you think of others better than yourself, you're not going to take a rifle and shoot people because you think that they're better than yourself. It's a failure on a massive scale of societal values that we've let go. The commandments, the value of life, the value of esteeming others, the value of respecting others, the value of letting other people have the opinion, the value and the art and the dignity of even disagreeing but being agreeable about it. And we have to take it all back, otherwise society is not heading in a good place. Is it okay? I want you to know this. This is going to be a strong statement. Are you okay with strong statements? You know, I've decided that a good sermon is if I equally offend the far left and the far right, it's a good sermon. Because neither the far left and the far right right now are adopting any of this. You read, doesn't matter. It's like they lost their brain. And if, and if I get them upset... I'm not, not only am I not bothered, I'm happy. Well done, good job. I'm, I'm trying to talk to the, 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 the kind of rational people, those of us who are in the middle, who just like things to go on and to get fixed in society to get a little bit better. That's who I'm talking to. And usually these people don't get mad at you because both have lost their brain and, 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 and radically, right? And paradoxically, both are doing the same thing because both the far left and the far right will adopt violence. And this verse never, ever, ever condemns any kind of violence. <laughs> Amen? Both are unequally intolerant, equally intolerant, right? And you, you, you see some, even some church people, sadly, that, I don't know, you think that, the, that, that, uh, these verses only apply in church, but when you leave on Monday, they don't. And on Facebook and Twitter, you can just say whatever you want to. You didn't even act like a Christian. Am I doing okay? Are you okay? So people are bothered. I want you to know, here's my strong statement. That wasn't the strong statement. The strong statement is here. If Putin adopted this, he would not be bombing the Ukrainians. Did you hear me? How dare he claim to be a Christian? He's not a Christian anymore than I'm an astronaut. If you're a Christian, you esteem others better than yourself. You don't go hurting people. You don't bomb people. You don't slam your fist at your wife. This, like I said, this will improve international relations and it will improve our home life. And it will make church a chunk of heaven on earth. Amen? And now look at the next verse. Now verse 4 is equally revolutionary. Verse 4 says, don't look out only for your interests, but look out for the interests of others. Isn't that something? No, you gotta go back, it's not in there. Don't look out for your own interests only, but look out 
for the interests of others. It's the slide before. Can you do that? Is that balanced? So according to what the Apostle Paul said, right, are we allowed to look after our own interests? Yes or no? Are we? Are we? But he said, see, thinking and then don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. How balanced is Scripture? Can we do this? Religiosity, I I went uh, to a religious institution and their concept of humility and submission was to basically annihilate yourself. They didn't have this. I couldn't look after my own interests. I had, to, uh, I had to annihilate myself, beat myself up constantly, be barefoot in the desert and have nothing. And you know what? Us human beings are not created for that. We naturally reject that because God made us in his image. And then we created us. He didn't put us barefoot in the desert. He put us in the Garden of Eden, a wonderful place. And God is into blessing his people. God is not against you and I being blessed. So that's a religious extreme again. And so looking out for your interest was almost a sin to say. And you're wondering, you say, do you ever read the Bible? (laughs) Because these are traditions that are made by men, not by God. Because the Bible says, don't just be concerned about your things. So I'm going to ask again, are you allowed to look after your own things? Have a good job, have a good pay, try to get a promotion, have a nice car, have a nice house. Yes, but not only that, not only that, not only that, but also look out for the interests of others as well. Boy, can I do that. Boy, I wish that the whole religious world would shift over into this mentality. Because by teaching wrong doctrines of men, we're messing people up. And then in verse 5, the Apostle Paul goes on, and here's where the, the theological part comes in. And he says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now think about that for a moment. <laughs> this is an awesome verse because it tells you and I that we can have the same mindset that Jesus had. Whatever Jesus was thinking, you and I can think. What his attitude uh, uh, what was in his brain can be in your brain and my brain. I could just talk an hour just on this. And I have to let it and I need it. Because a part of me wants to rebel. A part of me wants to be selfish. A part of me wants to step over people. My flesh reacts. And so I have to let this mindset be in me. And then he says, and then when the Apostle Paul explains who we are talking about, he does it on purpose so that if Jesus, considering who he was, adopted this mindset, then you and I who are nothing should be able to do it easily. Because he gave up a lot for this. I don't have to give up a lot. I think I have to give up a lot, but in reality, I don't. So he said, here's who we're talking about, right in verse 6. Verse 6, Christ was in the form of God. So God, right, in the flesh. Christ is God in the flesh. 
He was equal with God. Christ is God in the flesh. Christ is God. It's one of the unique doctrines of Christianity. And so he was always around. Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The Father is there. In verse 2, the Spirit of God is hovering. There's the Holy Spirit. And in verse 3, God says, and when he speaks, the word is Christ. So he existed before creation. He's there at creation. He was the burning bush that appeared to Moses. He was the water that came out of the rock. He was the manna that fell from the sky. He was the fourth man in the fiery furnace when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown in and they were not harmed. That's what we're talking about. So we're not talking about me. We're not talking about you, just a normal human being. We're talking about God in the flesh. He thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Or th- that's the old translation. This is something, uh, something to cling to, to hang on to. He says, no, you know what? I'm God. I'm not going to humble myself. I'm not going to do any of this. Are you kidding me? I'm God. And he could have said that. But you know Jesus never showed off. I'd like many preachers to hear this on TV and online. He never showed off. Jesus did not show off. He was divine, but not arrogant. So don't try to impress people. Never one meeting where they put up a poster, the disciples of Jesus, that said, God's man for the hour of power. And you know what? He was and he could have. The point is he was and he could have because he's God and he didn't. And those of us who are nothing claim to be that. It's nonsense. That's not directed at you. That's directed at some, it doesn't matter. See, I have to, I, I get worked up about these things. But I care about, I've been pastoring 40 years. I'm a pastor in the body of Christ. I care about the body of Christ. And thank God is getting cleaned up. <clears throat> Amen? Amen? So, you know, people, there's some people that, you know, they hang on to equality. They hang on to their chair as if it was theirs, you know. Someone sits in your chair in church that's new and doesn't know it's your chair and they get offended. Quit and leave. Or someone take your parking spot, you get offended. See, no, look up for the interest of others. <clears throat> Amen? Amen? But you know, those people were always around because there's a fellow named Diotrephes. In the epistle of John, John talks about Diotrephes. And he says, he loves to have the preeminence. He always had something to prove. He always wanted to be under the spotlight. He was always trying to impress people. And Jesus is divine. And he never tried to impress anybody. But now look at verse 7. Verse 7 says, he emptied himself. So here's God in the flesh who empties himself. He gave up his divine privilege. So God, the creator of the universe, 
the omnipresent one. You and I got in our cars and drove here because we can't be home and in church at the same time. God didn't drive to church this morning because he's at your house and here in church at the same time. He's in the omniscient. He knows everything. He, know, he has the answers uh, before there's even a question. Huh? And he's the omnipotent. He has all the power. Are you listening? He emptied himself. I think I'm a big shot <laughs> and I have trouble doing this. Emptied himself. And then he took the humble position as a slave and was born as a human being. So you have to think, here he is and he has to humble himself. He's born in a manger. You know that before Abraham was, Jesus said, I am, right? Jesus, here's what we're talking about. Jesus is the only one that was older than his mother. Jesus had to wait for Mary to be born in order for him to become incarnate. And he sucked on milk that he created. So if he did all that, maybe you and I can let an argument go. You see the contrast here? Maybe you and I can put someone before us. Maybe you and I won't be bothered if someone cuts us off on the highway. Hey, I'm Italian. I'm Italian. Someone cuts me off on the highway. I want to honk. And the fingers start to do things on their own that then I have to be. It's, oh. <laughs> right? <clears throat> and he humbled himself. The Lord we worship washed feet. Elections are coming up. We're looking for leaders like this. This is what you want to in a leader. I don't care if it's PC, if it's liberal, if it's NDP or whatever. You want a leader servant. These are the principles that we look for. Not someone who's arrogant, who won't give you freedom to speak, who will put you in jail or bomb or whatever. That's not what we're looking for. This is the example of leadership. This is real power. <clears throat> Amen? And you notice that the decrease here, Jesus is God. He emptied himself. He became humble. He put others first. Here's the lesson. Jesus became more by becoming less. You and I become more by becoming less. We become more powerful by becoming less. In this, uh, Jesus is teaching us about an upside kingdom. This is an upside down kingdom. It's not a pyramid with the people under here and the pastor on top. It's flipped like this. It's the pastor underserving and the people on top. To live in God's kingdom, you have to die. To get, you have to give. To go up, you have to go down. And I think that unfortunately the philosophy of the world has crept into the church that we now have Christians who are yearning for some kind of, I want to say, I can say it. Uh, you know, violence, like violence on your enemies. We need to pray for our enemies. 
Where's the spirit of Christ? Where's the spirit of Where's this that we're reading? We're not talking about you being abused. We're talking about let's esteem others better than ourselves. Let's put others before ourselves. Amen? Therefore, everybody say therefore. Oh, God highly exalted him. You can try to exalt yourself. And if you exalt yourself, you have to keep yourself there. That takes a lot of energy to do. But if we take this root of serving, of esteeming others, of valuing others' opinion, of being tolerant towards other people that, that, that look different from us, that have a different view from us, that, that believe differently than we do. You know that you can do that and not compromise what you believe. I have very strong beliefs. But I've learned to do this to honor people. Amen? And if we do this, then we truly become powerful. And I think that we can really, really make our families better. Amen? We can make our relationships better. We can make our church better. Amen? We can make the world better. Can, can you come up here a second? Can, uh, no, no, yeah, you, you. Yeah, just come up. Hurry up, hurry up. No, 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 not you. Sorry, sir. Yeah, the cameraman. Come here. I know I'm taking you away from your thing, but you know what? Just face me. I was so impressed with what you guys have written in the back here. Read it out loud. Turn, no, look at me. Here to help. That's Philippians 2, isn't it? Thank you here to help that needs to be like something where you how can i help you how can i make your life better after i have an encounter with you i would like you to go away not impressed with me because i flow in all the gifts of the spirit which i don't by the way and if you ever say that you're just showing off and trying to impress my time is up everybody say concentrate All right. We're doing okay? Yes. So uh, to those of you who are followers of Christ and sincerely trying to walk in the ways of God, did I inspire you this morning? Yes. I don't... I didn't make you mad, did I? Right. Now, to those of you who think you're the best and the greatest and the hot shots, I hope I made you mad. I hope you will not sleep at night tonight thinking of what I said. And I hope that you will adopt this revolutionary philosophy that Christianity proposes because it's life-changing for, for, for you, for me, but it's life-changing for all those around. And if you're here this morning and you haven't made a decision to serve Jesus yet, you may have grown up in church, but it's not going to church that makes you a Christian. It's a moment in your life where as a conscious human being, you say, God, I need you. God, forgive me. 
And Jesus, come in my heart. I believe that you died and rose again for me. Forgive me of my past. Give me eternal life. And I will serve you all the days of my life. If you're here and you haven't done that yet, I hope and my prayer is that you do that this morning because it will change and revolutionize your life. And in a minute, someone is going to come and give you instructions on what to do. If you're not sure if you're saved, if you're not sure you're going to heaven, if you're not sure you're forgiven, see, if you, if you don't even know, I don't even know what saved is, then you need to hear the instructions. I just want to finish by saying, I don't know if you can put the slide up or not, that you can follow me. It's easy. Just Google. There you go. Goodnewsint.org or Max Gergenti on Facebook, Max Gergenti on Twitter, Max Gergenti on Instagram. The beauty about having a complicated name like Gergenti is that there's not many of us around. And so you're going to find me quickly. Please, you can pray for me as I travel, as I start traveling again. We have different things that we're doing if you'd like to get involved in what we do. I also have written two books if you enjoyed the teaching. One is called Fearless in the Light. This is overcoming fear and anxiety in today's world. I wrote this before the pandemic. I think that it came out right on time. And then Every Good Thing is a book about uh, uh, all that you are in Christ, like Philippians 2, you know what God made you, what it means to be a new creature. It's a good study if, uh, if you want to start in your walk with God or if you have a walk with God and you want to deepen it. And you can get those on our websites. They're on Amazon too. So you can just, if it blessed you, the teaching, and you can help me. when If you buy a book, then uh, that goes in the ministry. I don't put the money in my pocket. It helps me to preach the gospel around the world like I did this morning. Amen. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, I give you the glory and the honor. I lift this congregation up. I lift up every wonderful human being, every wonderful person that's here this morning. And I pray abundant blessings on them. And most of all, Father, let us adopt the philosophy of Christ to esteem others better than ourselves and to lift other people up. And let the phrase, how can I help you, be one of the phrases that we use the most in church and outside of church. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Lord bless you. Thank you. Thank you.